Hey guys, welcome to Wi-Fi Matters. It has indeed been a very, very, very long time since the last podcast episode. Honestly, I was having difficulty balancing school and podcasting and just being a teenager, but I am recharging and ready to get back to podcasting. I'm in the middle of reading a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I kind of wanted to talk to you about for a tiny bit. It's really good and anyone should give it a read, but basically he has this whole idea of voting for the person you want to be. So for example, if I have if I want to be a healthy person, like being healthy is the identity that I'm going for. Every action I do is either voting for or against being a healthy person. So, for example, an action like eating Jenny's sweet cream biscuits and peach jam late at 1am in the morning is definitely not an action that's going to be voting for that healthy person. So, basically, he in his book is saying how if you keep voting for this healthy person and your actions are in that wavelength, then you will become that healthy person. And he also gave another piece of advice which makes common sense, but he basically gave this example of a guy who wants to become stronger and fitter, but he hates going to the gym. So every day, this guy would go to the gym and sit there for like two minutes and leave. So now this guy has the identity of somebody who goes to the gym, even though he doesn't actually work out there. But eventually this translated into him staying there and working out. And he became somebody who is healthy and fit. So I kind of realized how I stopped doing this with podcasts. So I've slowly been getting back into it and kind of reforming this habit that I used to have. So I might even just be putting out some smaller, shorter episodes in length and maybe little snippets and snacks, um, you know, just to keep this habit going. Also, sometimes you just find something that you're really, really motivated to speak about, and that is definitely a huge part of creating this specific episode. You know, I'm sitting in my podcasting closet right now, and not much has changed inside of my closet during my hiatus, but, and, and, and this reminds me actually of one of my most favorite songs from Sunset Boulevard, As If We Never Said Goodbye. And there's a line in the song that says um, why everything's as if we never said goodbye. And that definitely might be true inside my closet, but boy oh boy, that is definitely not true outside of my closet. Like, this world is changing for sure. And it's not going to be the same as it has been these in the past 49 years, so I do want to talk about the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, and I want to mainly discuss the economic impact which of this decision, which is quite frankly terrible for the economy, and it really does not make any economic sense, let alone human rights sense. So a little background about Roe v. Wade. It was a landmark 1973 ruling that guaranteed a constitutional right to abortion access in the United States. 
So what I did um, as I was researching for this episode is I read a lot of different articles regarding the economic impact of overturning Roe, and I'll basically just synthesize all the information I read. The first thing that I read was an amicus brief, which I'll link in the episode description, led by Caitlin Nowells Myers of Middlebury College and signed by 154 different economists, and it basically details how abortion care strengthens economic security. And for those of you who don't know what an amicus brief is, in my own words, it's basically like when an individual or an organization of people, in this case an organization of economists, that are not a party in a case. Um, They basically give the court information and expertise and advice that might help the court come to a decision. So I'm not a lawyer, but that is my dumbed-down version. And so what this brief had was uh, two points that I really want to talk about. The first point is that abortion legalization has had downstream impacts on women's social and economic lives. So it's actually really helped women's lives in the long run having access to an abortion. One study showed that young women who utilize legal abortion to delay an unplanned start to motherhood by just one year realize an 11% increase in hourly wages later in their careers. So that's a huge, huge impact. And another study found that for these, for young women who experienced an unintended pregnancy, access to abortion increased the probability that they would finish college and then go on and get a job. And it's really great because this effect has tended to be very large among, you know, the black women population. Um, So that's really, really huge. And one thing that the brief brought up, which I didn't know about before, but it's kind of a famous study, is the Turnaway Study. This is a pretty famous study, and it's very, very telling. It examined the effects of receiving or being denied a wanted abortion on women and their children. And the study compared women who arrived at an abortion clinic just prior to the gestational age cutoff and who were able to actually obtain an abortion. So these people were called, these women were called the near-limit group. And the study compared the near-limit group to the turnaway group. And the turnaway group were women who arrived just past the gestational cutoff, age cutoff, and they were turned away from getting an abortion. They were denied the um, abortion. So they compared the near-limit group and the turnaway group, and researchers linked study participants to their annual credit report data. And I think this is a great measure because it's an objective measurement. And basically, the study identified around 536 women in the near-limit group and 292 women in the turnaway group. But what the researchers realized, they hit a little bit of a problem. Some of the women did not have credit card information, so this number had to be shrunk to around 383 near-limit women and 180 turnaway women because they basically said that 
it only is going to be for women over 20 years old because it's more likely that they have a credit card. And this helps the researchers analyze financial outcomes for the women. The telling information from the study is up until the point that these women saw abortions, financial outcomes were trending very, very similarly for the near limit and the turnaway groups. So before the abortion or before not having an abortion, they had very similar financial outcomes. But the exact point in their lives where one group obtained the abortion and the other group did not obtain the abortion, they were turned away, the turnaway group experienced substantial financial distress relative to the near limit group. This is really telling. For example, over the subsequent five years, the average woman in the turnaway group experienced a 78% increase in past due debt and an 81% increase in public records related to bankruptcies, evictions, and court judgments. So I just think it's crazy. And it's basically like because these women were not allowed to have um, an abortion, they couldn't, uh, they were denied the abortion. The financial effects were as similar to that of someone losing health insurance or being evicted or being hospitalized or being um, or having their home destroyed due to flooding or climate change or a climate change disaster. And that's just insane, in my opinion. So that was the turnaway study. So overall, the consensus is that women who did get an abortion were better off economically and financially. The second point that the study brought up um, that I kind of thought was really important was employment policies are very inadequate. Women still continue to face real obstacles in the workforce trying to balance, you know, motherhood and their career. So an example the study brought up um, showed that up to the point of parenthood, men and women their earnings evolve similarly, but when they become parents, this is when there's a big contrast or it, the earnings diverge really sharply. And you see how mothers experience an immediate and persistent drop in their expected earnings while fathers' earnings remain pretty much the same. They're pretty much like unaffected. And just to make things worse, like in this country, we don't even have paid maternity leave. Like, I think 80% of workers don't even have paid formal leave through their employer. And also just child child care costs and babysitting and daycare. It's just an insane amount of money. And a professor at Northeastern University, Alicia Modestino, basically said that around $15,000 a year for a little baby, like an infant, is at this point, the expected amount of money you have to pay for childhood care, and that's crazy. So, overall, there's a lot of monetary fallout from this ruling because already 2 million fewer women are in the workforce since the start of the pandemic, and with, you know, Roe versus Wade being overturned, lot less women are probably going to be entering the workforce at this point due to having to get out of work because of raising children, there's gonna be a big hit to the economy. 
The same professor from Northeastern said something really interesting in another article that I read, which I'll link in the episode description. And I didn't know this, but I assumed that younger women and like teenage teenagers were the most common who um, people who wanted abortions, but actually 60% of the people who wanted an abortion, they're actually mothers. So when they're denied access to an abortion, they have children at home who are living lives and these children are going to suffer economically and just their lives are going to be very difficult financially because their mother was not able to get an abortion because there's another mouth to feed under the household and maybe they weren't able to do it like they could not support another child financially so it's just going to make this endless cycle of poverty basically and it perpetuates this cycle of poverty basically it doesn't make economic sense like period this whole thing is quite stupid um that's most of the, you know, hard information, you know, number information that I wanted to let you all know about. Overall, according to the Institute for Women's Policy Research, state-level abortion restrictions could cost as much as $105 billion per year. So, this is the big picture we're looking at right here. That's a lot of money. For example, just zooming in on this particular state, in a Forbes article that I read, Texas, for instance, suffered around $14.6 billion in economic losses before it enacted a six, uh, even before it enacted a six-week abortion ban. So, yes, states are going to suffer a lot because of the ban. So, it's not ex- looking extremely bright at all right now. But I guess if we're looking at ways we can sort of come out of this with a little bit of light, I did read an MSNBC article that argues right now, in addition to protests and donating money to organizations, um, unions might be a woman's best friend in this scenario because unions have long been a powerful force in mitigating economic disparities between by by gender and race and I think that and and then this article they basically say that unions can be a powerful force in helping make the situation a little bit better by centering reproductive rights in their labor platforms and advocating for women to have access to abortion care and having companies cover their employees. We already see some companies doing this, like Disney and Amazon. So if more unions take, um, you know, reproductive rights in, in at the forefront of what they're advocating for, that could potentially help this. All in all, I think, and a lot of people agree with me, the Supreme Court is very, very out of step and out of touch with the American population. Like, we... Like, women, we have basically lost all control over bodily autonomy. And, I mean, I was in the middle of Wyoming when the case got overturned, when Roe v. Wade got overturned. And I was shocked because there was a protest in the middle of Wyoming. Like, it's one of the most conservative states. And it just goes to show how the court is definitely not reflective of what's going on, what the people want, what the women want in this country, and what a lot of the population of this country want. And it's honestly kind of ironic and funny in a bad way, but I was on Twitter on 
the day it got overturned, and I saw that German lawmakers just voted to end a Nazi-era ban on the advertisement of abortion services, which was a measure that had basically criminalized doctors who provided info about the about abortions in that procedure. So it's like a step forward for Germany and like three steps back for the U.S. I thought it was kind of, it was funny, but in a very dark way. So all in all, I just, I really hope other rights will not get overturned, and it's a difficult time, but I just wanted to put out information regarding how this makes no economic sense whatsoever, but a lot of women in, in, and especially women in, you know, rural areas, they're gonna get hit hard by this, and we just have to kind of, I don't know, stay strong and do what we can. But thank you for listening, and I hope you learned a thing or two. I'm going to definitely post some of the articles that I read in the episode description, so definitely check them out. They were really informing. And also, make sure to check out Wi-Fi Matters Instagram, and definitely share this episode with a friend or two. Thanks for listening, and I can't wait to talk to you next time.